This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the Single Simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, a.k.a. Mixed Girl Maine. And this is episode 46. And we are going back to Sierra College for my final interview with a student from back in April. The student's name is Nicole. She is a trans woman of Polish, Mexican, and Spanish descent primarily. She says there's a couple other things mixed up in there. We get into talking about culture, talking about being raised with sort of a Mexican and Spanish culture at home, but in a very whitewashed area like Rockland, California. We talk about trans identity, and but it's a, it's a really audio sensitive thing. There's, there's students still walking around like the previous interviews. But it's quite loud in some weird spots and quite quiet in other spots. There's a lot of uh, microphone handling. And I don't remember if it was her or me <laughs> because it's been over a month. But there's a lot of like touching the, the microphone or bumping into the table. So I apologize about that. I can clean up a little bit of it, but I can't clean up all of it. So, you know, what are you going to do? This is interviewing on the road and that's just sometimes that shit happens. Speaking of on the road, recording on the road, we are still doing the fundraiser between now and July 5th for Militantly Mix on the Road, trying to raise $2,500, and that is to try to get us more uh, live and in front of an audience recordings of the show, because that was such a great experience that I had at the Lavender Library and Sierra College last month. So if you would like to contribute to that, you can go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed and drop us anything from a dollar to as high as anything you wish. It will help us promote and arrange for places where we can do live in front of an audience recordings of Militantly Mixed. And if you would like to sponsor us on a regular basis, on a subscription based, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed. Also, you can start as, as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. There's different rewards levels depending on what level you sponsor at. And that sponsorship helps keep the show going. That handles our hosting fees for the audio file. Eventually, once we get a little bit more money, it'll start helping out with website hosting and all that other kind of stuff. That's where that money goes. That's what that goes to help. That helps with pretty much the production of the show. Whereas the fundraisers help with different elements of the show. We did a fundraiser before to improve some equipment, which did help. And that was last year. This year, we're doing the Militantly Mixed on the Road between now and our first anniversary date of July 5th. So that's what we got going on in terms of sponsorship. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. And you can also send me emails at Charmaine at MilitantlyMixed.com. That's S as in Sam, H-A-R-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, E at MilitantlyMixed.com. And off the back of that, I just want to say a friend of mine suggested that I do a Who is Charmaine kind of episode of Militantly Mixed and I don't really know what y'all would want to know about me that I haven't already dropped in different episodes but I guess usually it's because I'll say something that's off the back of something someone else has said 
And I guess sometimes there's a lot of repeat stories because I'm speaking to a guest for the first time and they'll tell me a story that is similar to an experience that I have. And then I'm like, oh yeah, that happened to me. So you've heard some things about me multiple times, but they were suggesting it's just like a get to know your host thing. And I think it's a good idea. I like it on the shows that I listen to. So maybe. It is weird though when you're the person that you're sitting there like, yeah, you must want to know things about me and whatever. So rather than try to guess at what y'all would want to know about me, I am opening up a hashtag AskMixedGirlMain, M-A-N-E. If you are on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook and you hashtag AskMixedGirlMain, I will collect those and answer those questions on an episode. Or you can send me an email again, Charmaine at MilitantlyMixed.com. Or slide into the DMs on the on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages, whichever you prefer. If you, it's not necessarily to ask me anything, because I'm sure someone would ask a question that I'd be like, no, I'm not going to answer that. But I will answer anything to the best of my ability. If that's something that uh, you want, if there's something you want to know, then I'm going to uh, go ahead and try that out. And um, I might do that sometime this week, because I am planning on taking next week off for my next big announcement well big it's it's a Charmaine announcement it has nothing to do with the show for the last couple of months y'all have heard me complaining about this toxic work environment that I have and I think even last week was kind of a really really rough one for me where I kind of really broke down it's not just what I got going on personally in my life you know you've heard me talk about my cats and and how much pain that's caused me um, but you know life is difficult sometimes marriage is tough sometimes you know, friendship relationships are tough. Uh, sometimes finances get in the way of happiness, things like that. So it's been particularly a really rough year. But then on top of it, I've worked in this terribly dramatic work environment, which I'm just miserable at. And it's starting to impact me personally. So about a month ago, I started in earnest to look for a new position, even though I've only been here for seven months at this place that I'm at. Now, And if I was in my 20s, I probably would have stuck it out and just been like, you know, you're lucky you have a job, just get through it. Um, But I'm 41 AF and I have mental health issues, depression and anxiety, and I cannot keep putting myself in positions where I'm allowing my work environment to be so toxic that it impacts me on a personal level too. So I am done. I got a job offer and I will be starting my new job on May 29th. I will be ending this toxic job on May 28th. But yeah, I'm out. I'm not going to give a full two weeks notice because as a former HR manager, I can tell you a two weeks notice is only there to serve the employer, not the employed. And it actually can impact you personally in a negative way. But it's not so, you know, you should be able to just walk out if you're not happy or if you got something else going on. At will employment allows for an employer to let you go without notice. It allows for you to let yourself go without notice. Um, But they always try to say that, you know, it's bad for you if you don't put in notice. And it's not supposed to be. But this is another thing where something is created for the sake of an employer and not the employee. And so I'm not going to allow myself to be stuck in that. I am giving a, I am going to give a week just because there's a few things I should wrap up for the sake of some of my coworkers I do get along with. Uh, but beyond that, I'm not going to give them anything more. And then I'm starting my new job the next day. I'm not messing around. So I will end this month employed by somebody else and hopefully will be a lot happier. Yeah, so I told you all that just to say I am going to be taking next week off in terms of editing and all that other kind of stuff because it's going to be such a hectic week. I'm I'm 
anticipating. Next weekend, I am taking a trip to Phoenix for a play cousin reunion, basically, celebrating the birthday and graduation of one of my close friends' kids and meeting up with a bunch of friends and family there. So I'm not going to be able to do my normal routine of producing these shows for Black Radical Queer and Militantly Mixed next weekend. So I'm going to try to get everything that I need to get done for next week, this week. And because I'm be transitioning out of one role and transitioning into a new role, I want to be able to just kind of focus in that area, you know, try to have some good energy for my new job and everything like that. So I'm going to take next week off in terms of podcast related stuff, but then I will um, jump back in and be back to normal for June 4th, I think is the first Tuesday of June. So yeah, that's what we got going on. So if you all do participate in the hashtag ask mixed girl main thing, I will record that before I go on my trip and get that episode up next week. And if not, if no one participates in it, because you know, we have a very small social media following. Then I will, I'll just record a little bit of mini-sode thing and and get that up there for y'all. So there won't be a super duper big gap, but um, yeah, whatever. Life, Life happens. Life gets in the way. Anyways, good things coming down the pipe. I finally caught up in all those banked episodes that I had been talking about for the earlier part of the year. I'm finally uh, gotten through those. You you have heard most of those interviews at this point. There's only a couple left. And then, so now I'm looking for new folks to talk to. So if you're listening to the show and you want to share your story, please email me at Charmaine at MilitantlyMixed.com. S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A-N-E at MilitantlyMixed.com. Let me know you want to participate and I will get you on the show. Yeah, that sounds good. I think we're good. Let's go on. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump on over to my interview with Nicole. As you know, Continuing on with my interviewing of mixed race students at the Sierra College campus, I am now being joined by Nicole. And Nicole, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? My name is Nicole, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I am a trans woman here at Sierra College. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your ethnic background, and then we'll get into it. Okay, so um, I am Polish, Spanish, Mexican, and bunch of other stuff but those are primarily like what are your what's your cultural identifiers so i grew up on my mom's side um mainly and so she is um mexican and spanish okay yeah so did you grow up with language and food culture and all that um so on my mom's side yes so like on her side like on her dad's like that's the mexican and you know christmases so culturally like yes um However, you know, being in Rockland, you know, it's, <laughs> it's whitewashed. It's pretty, white it's pretty whitewashed. <laughs> I mean, my family's in the Bay Area. So, like, I feel like in a way, even though I grew up, you know, holidays and, like, families, you know, celebrating, like, that um, Mexican culture and just that type of being, you know, um, you know, I feel like it's a little watered down mm-hmm. by being in Rockland and being, like, separated in a way. But... You know, it's who I am. And so for the Caucasian side is your father's side yes. and culturally they didn't. So culturally, they, like white they are white Polish? Americans. Yeah. Yes. 
um, for sure. Definitely more like Americanized, you know. So when you think about yourself in terms of, so for me, uh, the way I describe myself on my show is that I'm very hierarchical in my identity and that first everything starts with my ethnic groups and then filters into my sexuality and my, um, then, then my belief system and then my womanness is at the end. And I don't know why everything happens before I think about it and from my perspective as a woman, but that's just my thing. I'm a yellow presenting black woman who happens to be bisexual and polyamorous, who is also an atheist and a woman at the end of that. Mm -hmm. In terms of your, like when you think about who you are, what is your identity? What's your first identity? So I think for me, and this is because outwardly I look and I present as a white person and that's because of my privilege, Mm -hmm. you know, like I have, you know, growing up in Rockland and living in a country that is was racist essentially yeah, <laughs> I mean you know like I don't have to like think twice about like the color of my skin like right. that's like a privilege that's something I take for granted and so I think for me like my main identifier would be you know um you know like a being a woman who happens to be trans you know right. I, um but I'm but as I'm you know maturing and I'm you know being exposed to so many different people, which is amazing. And my horizons are broadening. Like I'm realizing how much privilege I do have. Right. You know, I don't have to think twice about it. So she, um, so she is, I would say like a light skinned, you know, Latinx, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sorry. I, I heard like Latinx, but I say yeah, Latina. So you say it how you say okay, it. Okay. So, I, I, um, yeah, I'm a person who thinks like, yeah. yes, there are things that we, yeah. Okay. There are things that we, we need to grant white people permission and how they say it. And then there's the way we say okay. it, the way we say it about ourselves. So um, I'm black. I'm not African American. Okay. I'm, I'm black. That's it. Um, and that's because I have issues about how long of separation between me and Africa, Mm -hmm. um, whereas white people will tell me that I'm African American and then I have to correct them for me. So Mm -hmm. if you are a Latina and not a Latinx, then you are a Latina on this show. (laughs) So like, so for my mom, like she definitely like has more, um, she's lighter skin so she, i feel like she got more of like the spanish like characteristic right. in a way whereas like my aunts like her sisters like they like look a lot more they have, like darker skin they're beautiful they're like more tan yes in there. yes do you know that about that side of the family like what possibly are the mixes on the yeah so i did like ancestry mm-hmm. and so like our um well because it, it's listed under like you know um like native american and then it's I don't know, like, how to pronounce it, but it's, like, northern. It's, like, in northern Mexico. Oh, okay. It starts with a T. I know what it is. I have it on my phone. (laughs) But, um, yeah, but I do know, like, where, like, we come from, like, Mm -hmm. in our heritage. But, you know, I... But culturally regular-ass Mexican? There you go. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, so as you're you're maneuvering in sort of a light-skin presenting or or even white passing is one of the terms, too, that we discuss on this show um how how do you need to be seen like if someone comes up to you what do you want them to see i think um you know obviously we we put so much emphasis on like our outward appearances mm-hmm. you know it's like our value i feel like is baked in that mm-hmm. so like for me you know what i want someone to see when they look at me is um 
just kind of the way I treat people, like who I am on the inside. I mean, I feel like that's what matters the most. Um, does that answer your question? It's, it's fine. Like, I'm, I, I, think I like to get to, to the see. heart of someone's identity. Like, for me, um, a strong, you know what, you know what it is? A strong bitch. A strong bitch. Okay. I want them to see a, a strong, strong bitch. bitch yes, who takes no shit or right? no prisoners. So that's, for me, that's me. Like, as a yellow presenting black woman, um, is really kind of my thing is that when black people see me without me having to produce my credentials, they just, just tell by looking at me, I feel validated i feel seen and you know because you can't help that unfortunately that's part of your self-esteem is rooted in how people think of you or something so mm-hmm. when a black person sees me and they're just like hey little sis i'm like good that's what i needed for today i can go on live okay. my life my black ass life now um whereas like if a white person sees me i know they have 11 billion questions before they get down to what i actually am for them for like their comfort yeah. or whatever um and so for me sort of my my view of myself is that I am a, like a yellow presenting black woman who and then there all my stuff follows after that um, and in your case as a as a mixed race woman who is also white presenting do you feel like you need people to see like your Mexican heritage in you or do you or that you can walk into a Mexican space and not have to produce credentials so it's interesting you bring that up because at such a young age, like when I was younger, because I was immersed on that side of the family and just that's like the way I grew up. It wasn't even a question, but yeah. because I looked obviously, well, because I'm very pale, yeah. <laughs> I'm very white, you know, like when I would like go to school or I would like meet the people, I'd be like, you guys, I'm Mexican, which, and I'm proud of that. Like mm-hmm. I'm proud of my heritage and like where I come from and my family, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so but people would be like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't look a certain way. And, you know, um, yeah. So, like, it doesn't matter so much. And I I know you were discussing, you know, validation. So I don't need a validation from anybody. Like, I only right. need validation within myself. Yeah. And that's something that I've learned, especially being someone who is mixed race. And I feel like sometimes I do feel weird saying that because I – because I, of your presentation? Because of my presentation. But yeah. But it is who I but it's who I it am. Is who you are. Culturally, I'm extremely mixed and I have different sides of my family who are from different places and different right. beliefs. But Yeah, you know. I, I this is one of those things that kind of breaks my heart about doing the show, which I didn't know was a thing because and I, I said with a, a guest earlier that uh, who was also white presenting that I made the mistake early on of disregarding the white passing mixed race person's experience because just like everybody within, you know, a moment of ignorance before you learn things, you're like, well, you could just walk around being white, so who cares? And not even thinking about you wanting to be realized or seen as a person of whatever cultures you come from. Mm-hmm. And so once I started to get that, um, that reframes everything for me. I'm like, oh, you know, you're just as hungry for immersion in the culture as I am. It's just like for me, I, I wish I presented darker so that I wouldn't have to explain to people why I still identify as a black woman, even though I present yellow, you know? Well, because in our society, we have like these fixed ideas of like, if you're this, well, then you should look like this. Like we want to like fit everyone in in a box if that, you know? And so it's like, (laughs) but like we're, everything is nuanced. I mean, like no one, everything is in the middle. I mean, no one is like one, one thing or the other, like we're a combination, you know, it's. So I think that's a a thing. Like I think, what what breaks my heart the most in terms of talking to white presenting or white passing mixed folks is that thing of 
I don't know if I can speak. I don't know if I can have a seat at the table. I don't know if it's my place. And I want to say, yes, it absolutely is. Um, but I understand that there are complications with privilege because even I have a certain light skin privilege, even though I don't present white, um, then like my darker skin counterparts are going to experience, you know, I, I can talk my way out of a ticket or I can know that this police exchange, even though I'm afraid of the police is not going to necessarily end in my death. Whereas some of my cousins may not even have that privilege, Mm -hmm. right. Even if they're lighter skin, but they're just not as light as I am. Um, and, and so, I want to say, yes, we absolutely, all of us, as part of the experience, which is what the show is about, Mm -hmm. is to bring all of us to the table, even if we have to drag our own chair and elbow people until they scooch over. But I think we also have a certain, like, place in which we can't speak on behalf of everybody. We have to speak on a portion of this. And I totally, and I think, I mean, I'm taking feminism and social action here at Sierra, Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite classes. And... Um, I think everyone deserves a seat at the table because everyone is different, but I feel like sometimes you have to just, yeah, like I'm here, this is my experience, but then kind of give the microphone or give like to someone who is in more need of that kind of light or that highlight or, you know, it's an unfortunate burden though for you in that case that. Like, I feel like you should be able to shout as loud as anybody else. But totally. also... Agree, but highlight those, like, highlight who... Those. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I think there is... Yeah. And not to get into, like, oppression like Olympics, which... Happens I, all the time. Happens all the time. <laughs> but, you know, like... But, you know, especially being, like, a... Tr- you know, a white presenting, you know, trans woman who is middle class. Like, you grew up in Rockland. I am yeah. extremely blessed. You know, but there are, you know, other trans women who come from different walks of life and you know, who who don't who aren't white or you know or other you know um is or other like ethnicities or what have you and you know when you add race on being like trans and a woman I mean, that yeah that you know doesn't heighten your oppression depending you know, it's on like, who you are like you say um you know your your transness may be more prevalent than your whiteness sometimes and sometimes your whiteness is going to be more prevalent totally than that um, whereas a darker skin presenting trans person still has to go through the process of being the dark skin person and then they get right. to be trans no matter what they do. Um, yeah. And what we discovered on, on the other show, Black Radical Queer, um, is that there's this migration now of black trans kids moving from the South to Portland because Portland seems to be the only friendly, even though there's not a whole lot of POCs out there, a whole the only friendly trans friendly space that mm-hmm. is making room now oh, wow. for POC um, trans folks, which That's as of right now, it's the only place I'm aware wow. of. Um, and it's only because of the other show that I'm even remotely aware of. Oh, right. um, because in the South, they don't have a lot of opportunities um, to even just yeah. exist in safety. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think, okay, your present, your presentation does grant you a little bit of safety in that respect. Um, but do you feel Like, how do you maneuver within your safe your safe spaces? Just in as you as a whole package. Um, maneuver. So, you know, being at Sierra College, for instance, I mean, there are so. I mean, the faculty here is amazing. You know, like I'm a part of the Rainbow Alliance, the Feminism and Social Action Club. Um, I think just, you know, not living in isolation. I think for a safe space, you mm-hmm. need. 
a safe space to go to. So it's really necessary to kind of reach out and to like form new bonds and friendships, mm-hmm. you know, because unfortunately the world is not a safe space. And, you know, so that's why you have to create those spaces, you know, like form, find those, your people, right. you know, no, and, that makes sense too. The not living in isolation. That's a good way of putting it because you kind of need people to care and know that you exist yeah. so that they spread it out in other parts of the world. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Do you, um, well, what is your student experience like? Do you get to be a mixed race woman who happens to be trans? Or no. You- well, I mean, cause in- internally, like I know who I am. Like I'm not just one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a mix of things, but like on my, on my day-to-day life, you know, I have, you know, I'm not looked at twice and like, you know, what, what is she? I really, you know, when it comes to race. Right. Um, but with that being said, I feel like my identity that, which is, you know, complex, mm-hmm. you know, based on like where I come from, like, you know, I feel like I can meet a lot of people and, you know, find commonalities, you know? And so I feel like that's a good experience that I have here. Cause they're, you know, even though Sierra is mainly like a white campus, I mean, there, there is, there is, there is diversity here, but you know, and so, you know, but a lot of spaces that are, that have diversity are still primarily something, you know, like where I grew up, it was diverse spaces, but it was primarily black here. It's primarily white, primarily white. Yeah. Um, and which right. is what was interesting about the first interview that I did today is that we both have been students at the school and she viewed this as a super diverse space because she grew up primarily around white people and I viewed it as a it's not a mostly white space <laughs> because I grew up around black people. Right. And it was just like it threw me for a second because it just shows you how experience can shape what a shape space your is like. yeah. Um, and so and I think in terms of what we're doing here and and as but the love your body week this week as well is a safe space. It's weird that a safe, that a space can be safe for some of us and not safe for other of us of because us, yeah. we're always in our little categories and these little boxes and yeah. no one, no authority is granting us the nuance space. And so, yeah. you know, we walk into a, you know, the gender safety space and then but then on top of it but well, i'm a black woman but i'm a this woman I mean, you know like then yeah. you got to go through all of those hoops and it's unfortunate to that even spaces created for safety can turn into unsafe totally on what your presentation is and maybe even what your own personal identity is uh what what do you feel is your biggest thing like when it when it comes to your identity like what do you feel is the thing that you need to fight hardest for or i guess i'm not i'm not assuming activism but i think like living our lives as queer people Mm -hmm. is just radical in itself so well i definitely am involved in activism and that's something that like i really just you know i've been inspired to you know get into activism these past couple years but with like work and everything you know I've just had other priorities but now being a full-time college student um just getting really involved with with you know campus events and getting involved with like clubs and going to the conferences I just went to the Cal State East Bay Queer Conference um a month ago which was amazing so much fun um and so with that being said, you know, my activism has really kind of focused on 
you know, um, LGBTQ plus and queer and, you know, transgender rights. I think for me, like that's my biggest kind of focus, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, and women's rights and, and with that being said, you know, there's, you know, there are so many intersectionality, you know, and identities within those categories. So I'm not just for me, like I'm not only concerned with like the white trans women, right. it's like I care, you know, it's, all of us should be lifted up, not just a portion of us, not just my own experience, because I'm not the only trans woman to have an experience, you know? And it's so so weird too, that we think we have to like, this one, this one's just a POC activism space. So this one is just a queer activism space one, because there's so much nuance between everything. Yes. Um, Where's your tribe? My tribe. Well, I have a lot of cool people. Rose is my tribe. Um, yeah, I mean, I have, I met a lot of friends in like Rainbow Alliance and like feminism and social action. Um, yeah, I, and I think the tribe that I made here is, is a result of me just being who I am. Even just, I'm very like, I'm out and open and I'm vocal in my classes. I'm outwardly trans. Um, and so I think when sometimes I understand when people like aren't, exactly if they don't feel comfortable to do that for safety reasons and which I completely understand. I'm at a point in my life where like I've evolved past that, like for me. Um, but that's rewarded me with like friendships Mm -hmm. and like, you know what I mean? Like I've, because of my authenticity, I've met authentic people, Right. you know, and that's how I found my tribe. Right. So that's the thing. Like, um, one of my early episodes, like when I first started, uh, one of the first people I talked to, I uh, I had posted something online when I was looking for guests, and I, I one of my topics was coming out as mixed, and it really messed up the person who ended up contacting me because uh, they were thinking about it like you hear the words coming out and you think it has to do with some form of queerness or whatever. But as a mixed race person, we have to come out in almost every space that we are if we choose to, you know. Um, you're surrounded by a bunch of people from one group and they say a racist comment about a group you happen to be a member of and all of a sudden you have to decide in that moment, do I come out as the group that they just attacked um, or do I just speak on behalf of racism itself and say that this is wrong? I have to decide to come out or not come out in that moment um, in a workspace. Your name is Charmaine, but you look like a weird kind of Asian Spanish person. Why do you have that name? And then I got to decide, do I come out as a person, you know, mixed race person or not? Um, So I think like, well, I think any intersectional person has to come out on a a regular basis. Totally. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. And so, but I think in deciding in getting to the point when I decided I'm always going to live this way, no matter what, no matter what space I am, I'm always going to come out as a mixed race person. I'm always going to come out as a bisexual polyamorous person, always going to come out as an atheist, knowing that there are places in which I do put my body at risk for doing that. Um, I was not ready to do that at 20 years old. I am more ready to do that at 40 years old. Not that I want to die or get beat up or anything like that, but... I'm more ready now than I ever was to be willing to risk my body if it does further a cause. But in general, though, I think activism itself can be in whatever form, whether you're a marginal or you're this or whatever. And I think just us being outwardly what we are is a form of activism. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, just living your life out loud and not a product in, in, unapologetically 
is a form of resistance. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a form of resistance, and it's a form of you know, you know, just um, kind of fighting against the status quo. Yeah, you know. What appealed to you when introduced with the idea of me coming to the campus and everything like that? What appealed to you in participating? What was the thing you felt like you wanted to talk about the most? Or did you even know? So I found out yesterday but from Tamal, mm-hmm. who um, is amazing. Um, and I was just like, oh, that sounds like so cool. Because, you know, listening to other people and, you know, their experiences and, like, your experiences, it just... Because, you know, I'm not, I'm still learning too. It's mm-hmm. like we're, we can learn from each other. So I think that's how you kind of progress. I don't know. Do you get to talk about this stuff with other people? I guess primarily on the like, um, race side. Yeah, um, especially in my feminism and social action class. I mean, there's like a wide range of like, you know, diversity in there. And so like we do have these conversations. But like I said, you know, I, um, I think this would have been a really good opportunity for me mm-hmm. to kind of share my story and then like learn from other people I think so you, you talked about the passing the mic sometimes but do you feel an obligation to defer to people that do present more brown than you totally you do yeah what makes you because you know we were having we were just having this conversation <laughs> in my class this past week well because I think you know discrimination Oppression is oppression, you know, and it all stems from, like, one place. Mm -hmm. But depending on who you are and how you present and who you love or, like, what you believe in or, it's, you know, the cards can continually be stacked against you. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, like, I recognize, you know, even though, like, I, you know, um, am a trans person, you know, like, I don't, you know, I don't have as many roadblocks that makes in, in some, as a white presenting trans person or as a trans person in general? As a trans person, you know, who is of color or who is of a certain class. I just mm-hmm. think, I, you know, I can, like, say my piece, but I think more more voices need to be heard. Mm-hmm. Do you get so what I'm saying? So it's not a question of not feeling like your plight is as important, but it's a question of understanding that, like, in terms of, say, the the brother or sisterhood of, of whatever portion yeah. of activism you're in, that's the thing that's more. Totally. And, and I, so I just actually gave a speech, um, in my public speaking class on Monday, um, yesterday about, um, you know, transgender stereotypes and how like they've, um, negatively impacted the community and how, and whatnot. And, you know, the majority of like, you know, trans homicide and violence are trans women of color, mm-hmm. which I knew somewhat of but you know I, I th- and I think that definitely has to do with racism on top of transphobia and t- do you know what right. I, you know and so yeah I think it's a really scary time yeah. I think in terms of and and being you know from the outside of the commu- of that community but also feeling actually a part of it in a in a strange kind of way where you know there's that that bond of seeing oppression at any cost and, and, or seeing oppression and then wanting to fight it at any cost. And then seeing that there is a particular group of people that are more impacted. Totally. And, you know, in particular right now, it does seem to be black trans women that are dying at insane rates. Um, and you just, you, there's a sense sometimes just feeling so lost. And also do I have a space as a, 
I don't even really like the word ally, but I don't know what else to say. But as a person who is also within a marginalized and oppressed group, seeing a different, seeing oppression in another group and being like, what the fuck? no, I need to jump in yeah. and wondering like how much space do I have to make that jump yeah. or to insert myself into those moments. I, um, I mean, I think it's, it's a credit to you that you do feel like, yes, let me share my story, but also let somebody else share their story. I think that's a good thing. And maybe it doesn't always happen, but it could also be because it, more nuanced of a person, you know, yeah. being from a mixed race yeah. environment as well. Yeah. Do you, um, do you get to, or I guess we said that we, you don't really get to talk about that. Well, you get to talk about it with, within your own group, but like growing up, did you understand yourself as a mixed person? And then did you get to deal with it? Um, yeah. And so, well, because like I said, you know, with my mom's side of my family, you know, it was never a question like, yeah, like you're, you know, Mexican, you're Spanish and this, you know, whatever and so, you and so were owned I, by the spanish side not necessarily where they were like yeah you're pale but you're also mexican yeah well you know i was the weta <laughs> i was you know i was you know the little white <laughs> yes the weta warita, you know um and so yeah and so but you know i was embraced but it wasn't until like you know getting into like the school system and where you kind of have your first steps into like the real world of like what people are and what they should be, you know, did it start to kind of negative, negatively like affect me? And like, then I started to feel like those social pressures of like, well, is this who I am? Like, should I be this person? But, um, you know, having a mom who has that mixed race, mixed race background and who also is lesbian, who is gay, you know, um, you know, like I just, we're just a big kind of, so you grew up in probably the healthiest environment for someone who was going to yes. realize a different life. I've been very lucky. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually pretty amazing. Cause that's one of the things that come up often is that as mixed kids, our parents don't usually prepare. And like I had mixed parents, but my, both of my parents are half white and then my dad's half black and my mom's half Japanese. And yet they didn't have a language to explain to me what was specific to our experience as mixed people they could talk about racism you know when the first time i get told by a white girl i can't hang out with her anymore because i have a black dad mm-hmm. um my mom was able to explain to me that kind of racism so i understood racism but i didn't understand my nuance as a mixed person until probably high school and then even then i go through forty thousand identities until i get to that comfortable space of where like this is my this is how i identify now and i'm comfortable yeah. with it and you know no one's going to be able to and put their influence on the way that I choose to identify. Um, and one of my battles right now is getting used to using the term queer because when I was growing up, queer was a bad word. Right. And so now that it's being embraced by the community, I'm having to adapt. Yeah. And that so that is a way in which other outwardness is affecting my identity and yes. and like trying to speak the language of people I'm talking with. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, are you like what's your pronouns and do you, do you identify as queer or like Johnny? Terry, Terry yes. He, I, he married me. I know him from way, way back. He was the first person who I had a conversation with when I was dealing with trying to figure out if I could handle queer because he's older than me. So I'm like, how did you transition from hearing queer as a bad word to, to understanding it as part of the culture and then now being able to use it comfortably? Um, and so like he kind of, he helped me get to that point. And so not having anything like that on the mixed side though, I guess yeah. it's part of why I do the show is wanting to get with people and try to figure out, well, first, what do we even want to call ourselves? 
And then as a community, how do we enrich each other, even if we don't come from the exact same background? Yeah. And still feel like a solid community, which I think the queer community does do well, depending on certain spaces, is that you can be LGBTQ plus and we're all in this thing. Um, But we don't have that necessarily on a mixed race site or even race in general right well even even within the lgbtq plus you know community there there is racism and there's classes for sure and so you know there's pockets of yeah you're not a part of this fight or something like that there is a there is some of that but i think in general or in the mainstream they were able to it wasn't just the gay man fight or then the lesbian man, uh, the lesbian woman fight and then, you know, maybe sometimes there's room for bisexual. I definitely feel some alienation as a bisexual. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. But at least, at least on the mainstream, they were able to get together. There's no yeah. version of that on the mainstream of mixedness or any racial group where it's like, hey, black people experience this oppression and Latin folks experience this oppression. Let's band together. Yeah. We don't have that. And so I feel like as a mixed race person, maybe that is a thing that I'm supposed to be a part of is trying to figure out how to bridge that gap between us because we are nuanced and we have all these different cultural backgrounds that that bring us together. And so what I discovered through my show is that I have far more in common with someone else who grew up in a mixed race environment than I do with a monoracial person from my own cultures because they're never going to know what it's like to be not enough of. Yeah. Right. Whereas we might have had an experience where someone told me I'm not black enough or Asian enough and you maybe you not that you're not Mexican enough. No one ever says you're not white enough because they just disregard that you're even a little bit white. So um, I, I think that's part of kind of why I do this show. In terms of your identi- identity, though, are you are you trying to or wanting to pr- represent as a a POC woman who happens to be trans or are you just like whatever like I'm this is just me and this is just me yeah you know because I I think yeah I um you know I it's just me you know what I you know but I but I think that is because but I think that's because of um you know so far like my experience on a day-to-day I'm not looked at weird. Do you know what I mean? Right. For being like, well, but if what you are you? Move to a different community, you probably Yes. So be, totally because of like where I'm at now, it's not an issue. Right. But if I were to you get what I'm saying, kind yeah, of like yeah, what you yeah, were yeah, saying yeah. with um about like how like based on where you grow up, like what you see is diverse. Right. <laughs> like I'm sure if I move you know what I mean? Right. If when I move somewhere like and it's different, like then yeah. For sure. They're, we'll have to talk again. Yeah. Well I might be moving I might be moving to San Francisco. So so you have a, it's I mean, a little bit more diverse there, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Depending, yeah, I guess depending on what side of the of the town you end up, you end up yeah. in, so you might you might get a little bit of that. It's different than Rockland, that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I think also, I don't know. There's a lot of spaces in which we perceive as safe spaces for us because there's a huge community out there, and then we find we get there and we find out there there's a little bit different. So it'd be interesting to find out later on, like what what that ends yeah. up being for you. Yeah. Um, what are you looking? What are you looking forward to in, in uh, like in the identity fight and allowing people to accept like you giving them your identity versus them putting it on you? What are you looking for in the future for that to be like? So me, 
like outwardly identifying as like just um I think just doing that and just being your authentic self, I think, you know, people might not understand, but it, I feel like it does like propel change in a way. Like if you're just like unapologetically yourself and you're just, this is me, I'm sticking to my guns, like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's that, Um, you know, then maybe, you know, that kind of, that can change minds and like perspectives and, you know, and someone especially who like grew up thinking of, in, you know, in terms of like box categorizations of, you know, because um, I feel like putting ourselves in categories or saying we're one thing or the other is a disservice. Yeah. I don't know. I just think just owning our identity for who you are. Do you feel that that comes from your mother since she was really preparing you for that? Kind for of sure. Thing? Yes. Because you seem more so than I've experienced, you seem just already ahead of sort of comfort with your identity than maybe someone around the same college age that didn't have anybody in their corner as they were growing up. Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating. Yes, it's my mom. Yes, my mom. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, um, yeah, it's, I credit my mom with everything, Yeah. you know? And then I think also in turn, like I taught my mom a lot, you know, just, but you know, I come from like a strong, I come from being raised from a strong mom, a strong woman, you know. Is there I, a lot of women in your family that are similar to that in, in terms of that? Like, Oh, yes. <laughs> I come from a family of strong, independent women, that's for sure. So, yeah, my mom, my grandmother, my sisters. Yeah, a lot of strong femaleness and um, and gayness as well. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of it. So, <laughs> so I, think that, I think it's also, like, fueled my outlook mm-hmm. a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, so. so one thing, and we don't have to talk about it if it doesn't end up wanting to be a thing. It's just because, uh, based off of what you've shared with me so far, it hasn't come up on my show before. It'd be it'd be nice to insert it if it's available. Um, a lot of people make mistakes of joining. So as a I'm a bisexual, polyamorous person, I consider that a hyphenate. Like that, my my sexuality is bisexual. My lifestyle is mm-hmm. uh, polyamorous, and I'm always having to explain to people how gayness is not a lifestyle. <laughs> but I think trans people are experiencing that as well, where people are making the assumption that right. it's a lifestyle that you're choosing versus what is actually happening within your body and everything. Yeah. Like that. Do you have kind of a way that you when you get forced into those positions do you have a way that you explain to people the difference between like who you are versus what their views of a lifestyle would be well i think a lot of the times the reason why people have the assumption that it's a lifestyle it's because of like what they're taught and what is reinforced Mm -hmm. in like our media do you know what i mean so it's like when they think of a lifestyle of a trans person they're thinking of like what they witnessed on Jerry, Jerry Springer. I don't, I don't know. Like, just for example, like, right, yeah. you know, like those reinforcement, like those stereotypes on, on the trans community. And so what they're neglecting to understand is that being trans is who we are. Who are. It's who I am. Like, I can't change that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's not, a, I'm not just one day like choosing it. Like, it's something that I've had to come to terms with yeah. for a very long time. And it's only one aspect of my identity. It's not right. a lifestyle. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, you know, I try to correct them as respectfully as I can if they're respectful. Sometimes you and then sometimes you can't. <laughs> you just have yeah. to be like, flip them the bird and be like, 
You'll never get I'm it. I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> like, in just, you know, um, defending myself to you because if they're going to have that negative attitude. That's actually a good a good point. Is And I was kind of getting, I was trying to get to it earlier with a, another guest where it was it was that idea of sometimes you defend yourself and say what you are and sometimes you're like, it's none of your business and I'm not going to defend myself because you know that person is not going to, no amount of explanation is going to help that person. But there's people that are on the cusp of just, they're just ignorant right now. Mm-hmm. And if we give them information, maybe we can help. Yeah. And it's like, we're not paid for it. It's not our job to be educators in this moment. But as a representative of those right. communities, sometimes you do have to step And it's sometimes unfair because it's so unfair. it is very unfair <laughs> because I don't, you know, it's like, you know, listen, we live in 2019. Everyone has it. Well, I mean, those who, you know, are privileged enough and who can have a phone, you know, and um, I mean, we have like all knowledge at our fingertips. It's like, you know what I mean? So it's like, you can figure it out for yourself. You can do your research. You can figure it out what or who someone is, like whatever. Um, but, you know, and so sometimes I do get like a little tired trying to like educate myself to someone. And I think also, but you know, it's necessary. And mm-hmm. I, and I think, you know, if I can share my truth and change one heart, well then why not? Yeah. But I think also to like someone's assertion of like, well, who do you are? Like, who are you? Like, what is going on? Yeah. It's also, I think, a sign of someone's, like, entitlement because they think they're, like, above you, like, yeah. in a way. Like, they think that they have – they're entitled to, like, give their opinion on you right. and then, like, we have to justify our existence to, to them. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Yeah. So it just depends on, like, those – like, their de- like their delivery, their approach. Well, you read it on the situation. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, yeah. I feel that a lot too. There's times when I'm just like, I'm out, out here all the way out and here's my thing. And you know, listen to me. And there's times when you just get that little dose of ignorance that you're just like, Oh, I have to decide. Yeah. Am I going to educate right now and take an opportunity that could potentially shift someone's opinion? Um, or, and then deal with the ta- the taxingness on my own body and my own spirit and having to do that. Um, yeah. or do I just let it slide and know that that, and just assume that person's never going to, um, get there and sometimes uh, I guess I think my intention is always to try to educate until a point and then or if they're coming at me with like all kinds of ignorance I let them jump through hoops where are you from California no where are you really from Long Beach (laughs) no but where are you from from I don't know what you're asking what's your nationality oh I'm American (laughs) totally yes Um, yes like I make them do it until I know that after 20 questions they still cannot figure out how to ask the question that they want to ask and Mm -hmm. I'm like you know I can decide in that moment depending on how they come at me am I going to say are you trying to ask me what race I am or ethnicity or are you trying to ask me like what are you trying to ask me so that they so that they get there and then I can decide to tell them or not Mm-hmm. Um. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's okay. There you I think go. It's a part of activism. It's okay to make people jump through hoops. I think if so at too. The end they learn because you're kind of pointing out how stupid they, how yeah. stupid the activity is, right? Or the assumption to ask those yeah. types of things. Yeah. Um, I do try to ask questions on my show to people that are in groups that are not the same group as me, um, and I always do try to preface: don't have to answer if you don't want to, because I, I think it's helpful to educate this is the purpose of the show but at the same time if it crosses a, a comfort line or something like that i don't want to do it but um you said so many things that led me in that direction that i thought it was really helpful to okay, get that yeah. opinion. i appreciate that yeah um before we start to wrap up though is there any other kinds of things that you would like to talk about um, in terms of how you feel about 
I think, um, no, I think I said what I wanted to say, but I, I think there's still, there's still so much more to learn to be exposed to, you know, I, you know, and I feel like we never stop learning. We're ne- we never stop growing. We never stop meeting new people who can shift and shape our, like, you know, yeah. our opinions and like our outlooks on life and right. our worldviews. So when I started the show, honestly, I started the show for selfish reasons. I didn't have any mixed friends local anymore. <laughs> and so I started the show because I wanted to talk to mixed race people. And then as we started talking to these new people, I started to realize the, the gap that all of us feel in terms of not, finding a connection with someone who that you don't have to explain context in every conversation that you have with them. And so as mixed race people, there is a certain shorthand um, that we have and that was great. But then I started to realize that the people that were listening may not understand the shorthand. And so the show had to shift into a way of actually asking questions that get down to the heart of the, of things so that the people who are listening, if they're not mixed, um, Mm -hmm. do get educated and maybe do shift some views and so i think all aspects of mixedness is important um to share and for me what's great about it is when i talk to someone who doesn't come from my same background because then i learned something like the the white passing thing opened my whole eyes about what that means for for folks um one thing that hasn't come up on the show as often as i would like because i am a mixed race queer person is how we are queer in the world because there aren't a whole lot of POC created pro POC LGBT spaces, LGBT plus mm-hmm. spaces. Um, and so I do appreciate that you, you came on to, to share that aspect because we haven't had that experience yet. Um, and if you wouldn't mind as you think more things happen and as you do shift on into the, to, into San Francisco and stuff like that, yeah. if you would ever be willing to come back and talk. For sure. Yes. That'd be awesome. Really nice. Um, I do have some people who come back after a period of time, which is nice. I had one person who was not comfortable being mixed or saying they were mixed, and then they were on the show, and then they started listening to the show, and then eight months later they came back. And they're like, I get to live my mixed-ass life now. Oh, good. I want to hear that kind of stuff. I want to see what it's like as you find, um, as you maneuver into San Francisco, if you do find a POC comfortable space in which you get to to exist, that would be nice. All right, so before we wrap up, though, what do you love the most about being mixed race? Well, I think for me, it allows me to, there's an Audrey Lord. I read A Sister Outsider by Audrey Lord like last semester and it really like resonated because I think when you don't like fit in a certain category, you, don't, you know, I guess you, in most contexts, like it can kind of serve as a disadvantage or you might think it's a disadvantage, mm-hmm. but really it's kind of your own superpower, which is like what she says. Cause I think you kind of, you maybe see things that other people don't, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's what like all aspects of like my identity, you know, I can, I have my own outlook and my perspective. It, it makes me unique. Yeah. Broader. For sure. A lot of people can, yeah. yeah. Thank Yay. you so much for coming Thank you. Yes.
Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, The One. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.